ladies and gentlemen. We are back with you again on an off night. Yes. And why are we back here on an off night? Because Ian and I are absolutely terrible people, and we actually have something called jobs, ladies and gentlemen. It is a fantastic Wednesday afternoon here on the Primetime Rundown MLB special. Alongside my guys, Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, Casey Bryant, I'm Joey Jarzinka. We cannot thank you enough for joining us here on this Wednesday, the day before opening day, ladies and gentlemen. It is our MLB special here on the Eastern Observer. Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, Casey Bryant. Ian, start with you. How are you? And how's, I think the last time we saw each other was the NFL special. My goodness, last week already? Yeah, it's it's been a week ago already now. And uh, still very excited about the moves the Giants are making, but uh, we're ready to transition now to baseball. We are 24 hours from first pitch for the MLB season and this year the full 162 game Major League Baseball season and I just can't wait to get it going. Rob DeLuca, you actually have a uh, some new audio equipment that we actually got you and uh, you actually have our microphone. Uh, you also have a few other things. I'm so glad we're able to see it, you know, because that's really well, I don't know why else I sent it to you, but the setup goes the way the setup goes. <laughs> How are you and how is your week, sir? Well, you know, the week so far, you know, getting just getting back onto that work grind after the last two days off. But now we're ready to get into some baseball. Opening day is tomorrow. We love it. We're going to have a great time tonight. We got our boy Casey Bryant with us. How could it not be a great show, especially now that I sound 50 times better than <laughs> in the past? Casey Bryant, do you uh, do you agree with your uh, with your friend or no? Uh, I, no I agree. He sounds fifty times better. Yeah, no. Uh, especially <laughs> especially right now when he's not talking. I think that's when he sounds perfect. Uh, <laughs> Casey, just a couple of days ago, uh, the New York Mets released something actually f directly out of the mouth of new owner Steve Cohen. Uh, to Wayne Randazzo on uh, on YouTube, something about uh, a New Jersey coming back. Maybe not a New Jersey, but you know, bringing back what's old is now new again. What do you got there for us, buddy? You know, it's it's so awkward. You know, me and Ian, I, we didn't plan this. Uh, we just happened to match. But you know, the black jerseys back in Queens, where they belong. Anyone who says that black isn't a Mets color can go stick it because black is literally every team's color. I don't know why everyone is making a fuss over it. You can see I've got a, a signed David Wright jersey over my shoulder here from the last day that he ever played. So I'm excited that the black jerseys are back. Uh, it's where they belong. They're, the black jerseys are synonymous with the best era of Mets baseball yes. the last 30 years. Uh, you know, I, I I always have this argument with my boss at work. He goes, oh, they should bring back the racing stripe. I'm like, yeah, should should they bring back, like, a lower mounds and, like, you know, playing with, like, pillowcases on your hands too? Like, why don't you go back to the Dust Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's great that the black jerseys are back. I think, it, it, like Casey said, I think he said it perfectly. It's, it really resembles the, six, the the success of the Mets over the last 30 years. When you think of the 2000 world, the 2000 run, the 2006 run, the, the black jerseys were a staple of that team. They wore them. They wore them more than they wore pinstripes. I mean, they didn't really start wearing pinstripes until they started phasing out the blacks. Because remember, they had the black jerseys, and then they also had the whites with no pinstripes on them. So those were the jerseys that were more rotated than what than some of the Mets jerseys you see now. And I think the way they tried to give back to the Mets fans a few years ago was by incorporating the blue into the jerseys, which so many fans love now. 
I tell you what, what they should bring back is the ice cream man uh, hats where you've got the dual toe white and blue. Those yes. were appalling, and I loved them. Yes. <laughs> Rob DeLuca, you and I are Yankees fans, and we only know of only two jerseys. That's about it. Actually, right. there is a we'll, – we'll, we'll call it two-and-a-half jerseys because, you know, of the, the alternate blues that they wear at spring training only, you know, just yeah. the, the, regular, the regular ones. And, you know, we don't, we don't have names on the back of our uniforms. It's just numbers, and, you know, we can actually recycle the numbers too. Yeah, I mean, look, we we go through the we go through numbers, we retire numbers because we have so many legends that come through this team, and our jerseys are iconic. They should never change because look <laughs> how pretty they are. God, I love when Casey's on the show because we just bounce off each other so much. But that's just the the love we share. Casey, isn't it so nice? Even though I know you're younger than me, to know that the 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 three of you have been alive to see what four of five of the twenty seven World Championships that the Yankees have won, right? <laughs> Listen, and Rob was still wetting the bed when the Yankees won their like fourth title in their four P. All right. He may have still been wetting the bed when they won in 2009. I can't speak to how he lives his life. So, hey, hey, you know, sometimes you just don't want to get up. All right. <laughs> it's only what the cool kids do, as they say, right? That's about it. You gotta consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> so now we're bringing in uh, Billy Madison lines to the show. We're, we're really going off tar off target here. Ladies and gentlemen, we do want to say that just a few weeks ago, we were all, all four of us were actually on the show. We had Larry, uh, Larry Pratakowicz with, with us as well. And if I'm not mistaken, that was episode number 50, our golden episode. And we were discussing the start of Major League Baseball and we were talking about the season. Uh, we were talking about the previews as well. And we did start with the AL West. And I remember this is what Casey, you know, I didn't get a video of this, but I remember when we started it, Casey did have some words about the AL West because that was the, we started from the worst and we would go all the way to the best. And of course, because as I did say at the top of the show where Ian and I and DeLuca as well, we unfortunately do have jobs that have been taking some time out of our usual Friday schedule. So for that, with that being said, folks, is that we, we started with the AL West and now we are going to conclude with the AL East and the NL East. And we're going to have a game called buying or selling, which really is not really a game. It's what everyone plays. Uh, but we're going to be doing that as well on this show tonight. We're going to be discussing all the topics thus far heading into tomorrow's big opening day series. Uh, Casey, Brian, I got to ask you this. A, a podcast that previews the AL West, the AL East, and the NL East, what do you call that? Uh, scatterbrained? <laughs> This usually does not ever happen. I was actually thinking a podcast that you'd normally turn off, but you know, we do hope that everybody is watching this, listening to this, and cannot wait to see all of the reactions and comments following our chatter here this evening. Guys, let's get it started. Uh, we already opened this up with the Mets uh, with their black uniforms. How cool is that? Ian and Casey are both wearing it. Casey, just to elaborate a little bit more on this before we get over to Ian again, if I'm not mistaken, the last time that the New York Mets wore the black uniform was early in the 2010 decade. That was nearly almost, I think, eight to 10 years ago that they wore it. And it's been, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it was ever worn under Terry Collins. I believe it was retired in 2010. I could be mistaken, but I think that's when we started phasing over towards the blue jerseys. 
Yeah. Uh, Black made its first appearance in the late 90s when it was just numbers, no names, and the names were introduced at one point. Uh, and the Blacks kind of survived from the Subway series era through the collapse era of the late 2000s. Uh, I wish there was a better term to describe that three-year span of Mets baseball, but there's really no other way to put it. Uh, and I seem to remember, I think Gary Sheffield's 500th home run was hit yes. in the Black jerseys. Uh, that's 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 the last like defining moment that was ever had in the black jerseys. Nay, I'm wrong. The Luis Castillo drop pop up was in the black jersey. So uh, that I think after that, everyone collectively decided maybe maybe we just need a clean slate for a while, and uh, and now it's back. Now that everyone has the appropriate nostalgia for it. Ian Schreier, for you as a lifelong Mets fan, how good is it to not only don the black and blue, as weird as that is to say, uh, how good is it to wear that uniform again? I, I've always loved the black jerseys. I, I, I know if you take to Twitterverse and uh, you, you'd probably get a pretty split population between those uh, that love the black jerseys or those that hated the black jerseys. I don't think there's really anything in between where they're like, eh, they were okay, but I wouldn't mind if they brought them back. No, I think a lot of what I've read uh, so far on Twitter is either you hated them or um, <clears throat> or you love them. And uh, I think this all really got started, um, you know, when Steve Cohen took over as owner, but also because Marcus Stroman for the last year and a half has been advocating for the Mets to bring back the black unis. Um, and as much as I've hated uh, these redesigns that we're seeing bloggers put out to say, let's try to um, modernize the black jersey. I don't think you need to modernize the black jersey. I love the black with the blue piping and the white out, the white stroke around the Mets text with the blue and orange. It just flows. And as Casey said, it just symbolizes so much uh, with the successful time of the Mets when going back to 99, 2000, and also in 2006. Rob DeLuca, you as a New York Yankees fan, you look at the at the black uniforms and the uh, the events that Casey Bryant brought up about, especially the legendary pop-up with Luis Castillo, Alex Rodriguez, popping that one up. And I regret seeing, bringing it up already. Use two hands, two hands. seeing the black uniform come back, and especially all of the, the negative events that occurred while wearing the uniform, how good is it to see them wearing it again in Queens just for a few games, quote-unquote? Yeah, well, we'll see how long they actually wear them for. I'm sure they'll wear them for longer because of the demand will be there. Look, I like these jerseys. I think they're great. I think people who don't like them must think they'll look better in white and gold or something. Like like that stupid dress meme from five years ago. <laughs> yes. Maybe it would just look better if it was white and gold because apparently <laughs> white and gold is better than black and blue. That's that's how I come up with. Are it. you saying that this isn't white and gold because it's certain light? <laughs> All I'm telling you is that your maybe maybe it is white and gold, and I'm just not seeing it right. But you know what? <laughs> that's the Excuse me, I want to go back to something real quick because I want to. I'm I'm going to test these two Yankee fans here because they're going to bust us our Mets chop Mets fans chops for talking about the Luis Castillo catch. Let's let's test these Yankees fans' knowledge here. Mm. Who was who, who was the Yankee hitter that popped the ball up that Luis Castillo dropped? Alex hey, Rodriguez. Okay. All right. All right. I'll give it to you. All right. Alex Rodriguez. Michael K's legendary call. A-Rod becomes a hero with a pop-up. <laughs> I remember that because the moment in your brain. The moment he popped that up, Alex Rodriguez smashed yes. that on the whole plate. He was so livid that that game was over. He pops it up. Luis Castillo tries to grab it, 
falls off the palm of his glove and down. Winning run comes in. Okay. Well done, gentlemen. Well done. Well done. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get things started here on the primetime rundown and let's look into our MLB preview. Tomorrow is opening day, ladies and gentlemen. There is a slate of games on the networks of ESPN starting tomorrow, 105 Eastern time. The New York Yankees welcoming the Toronto Blue Jays at home. The Los Angeles Dodgers visiting the Colorado Rockies. The New York Mets visiting the 2019 World Series champion Washington Nationals 709 estimated first pitch and the Washington and the excuse me the Chicago White Sox heading to Los Angeles or to Anaheim and facing the Angels that one is starting at 1005 Eastern time all of which can be seen on the networks of ESPN all crazy stuff guys and there's also other games as well that's that 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 is just the 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 really, I guess, the core four of games uh, nationally televised starting tomorrow. I can't believe that not only we saw just a short while ago, it was about, I don't know, let's say uh, October. Um, what was that? Five, four or five months ago, five months ago, rather, World Series. Los Angeles Dodgers come away in a 48-game season. Moogie Betts. Uh, Justin Turner was on the field with COVID at the time and all of that in the rearview mirror and the Dodgers coming in as the defending World Series champs. And right now, the New York Mets really at one point, they were, you know, they sold the team. The Wilpon sold the team. That was the biggest offseason acquisition for, I guess, the Mets where they acquired or or took the reins of uh, from Steve Cohen. And now the New York Mets might just be competing with the Los Angeles Dodgers, where many people just a couple of days ago on Monday did say that, I don't know, there's uh, some SNY people out there thinking that the New York Mets could potentially beat the Los Angeles Dodgers. Is that a possibility with some of the rotation questions? Let's start this one off here. Ian Schreier, uh, Cookie Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco, who was acquired in the Francisco Lindor trade. Uh, as well as Noah Syndergaard as well. He is coming back from Tommy John surgery. How good is this rotation going to be? And are they a team that could compete with the reigning World Series champs? Uh, l- let's start with the second part of that question. Are they a team that can compete with the reigning World Series champs? I think I think you left out a couple of key teams in there, uh, the San Diego Padres being one. Um, and I still think right now on paper – um, I still see the Mets as the second best team in their division behind the Atlanta Braves. Um, I just think the Braves are a little more established at this point. Um, they had a couple of question marks. Um, I know we're going to get to Atlanta, but they had some question marks in the rotation. It appears they addressed it with Charlie Morton. Um, I, I just think the, as I said, the Braves are a little more established at this point. The Mets right now just have a lot of what ifs. I think their ceiling is definitely an NL East division title, but I think their floor could actually be as low as third place in the division. I think they could actually even fall below the Washington Nationals, who I think are a little bit of my sleeper team in that division, even though they're two years removed from winning a World Series title. They're, you know, we saw how they performed in 2020 when you had guys like Starlin Castro and Howie Kendrick hitting in the middle of your order. Um, but getting and Ryan back on opting out. Yeah, and that too. And uh, getting back onto the Mets, I, there's just a lot of what ifs with this team. And and yeah, the rotation's a piece of it. No Carrasco, um, Noah Syndergaard is ahead of schedule, but probably not going to come back until maybe mid late May at this point. So you're you're depending on guys who've had somewhat decent springs. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Degrom, but after that, you know you've got a guy like Stroman who opted out last year. You have Joey Lucchese who they who they brought over in a trade with the Padres. You have. 
uh, Taiwan Walker, who was a very late free agent signing. Um, you got guys that are still a little unproven. And I know that's why Sandy Alderson went out there and got depth. But then if you look at something like the bullpen, you're, you know, you're adamant and very upset right now with the Mets front office and Sandy Alderson because they didn't do enough to address such a weak point last year. Yes, Edwin Diaz came on very strong last year. But guys that are supposed to be setting him up vis-a-vis Adele and Betances. Now, let's keep in mind Seth Lugo's out. Adele and Betances, who right now in spring training, on the last day of spring training, was up to maybe about 89 miles an hour on his fastball. That's a concern. Trevor May, who they signed off from the Twins, has been a concern. Aaron Loop, who's this left-handed specialist they're hoping to get a lot out of, has been a concern. So th- there's just a lot of what-ifs. And then in the lineup um, – you need Pete Alonso to get out to a hot start. You need who who didn't last year. You need Michael Conforto to be clutch, which he hasn't been. I mean, if you look at his career average, he's like a 230, 240 career hitter in clutch situations. Um, th- I mean, the defense is going to get better with Lindor there, and they're overall going to get better with Lindor. But there's just too many what-ifs with this team that I'm not ready to put this team above Atlanta right now. Now, I want to get to Casey Bryan here because I want to see your thoughts about – the New York Mets. Something else too, obviously, is Francisco Lindor and the the impending contract that he will get, you'd figure, or at least an offer at some point. You wouldn't make that massive deal without eventually making an offer. Uh, let's not forget also um, left-handed pitcher, as Ian brought up earlier, um, about the about the bullpen. Jerry Blevins is, has not made the roster. He is not retiring. Uh, Casey, your thoughts on what Ian had brought up about the rotation, but also something else about Lindor. Um, could that also be a problem possibly with production, thinking about that maybe in the back of his head, especially now he's in the New York market? I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a hitter that wouldn't necessarily be motivated by having a contract negotiation looming over. Certain players react certain different ways. I know that back in the late 90s when Randy Johnson's contract was coming up at the end of 1998, and that was looming in his head, and that got into his pitching, and then finally he got traded away to Houston, and he turned it on, right? So certain guys just react to different situations differently. Uh, I think that Francisco Lindor would be motivated because Francisco Lindor knows that he's a mega millions player. You know, he can go anywhere he wants and get just oodles of money. It's, it's not going to be an issue for him, whether it's from Steve Cohen or from some other billionaire. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be an issue for him. So I'm not concerned about the, the contract negotiations. That'll sort itself out. I really don't think that Cohen will let him walk away. Otherwise, you wouldn't have traded both Rosario and Jimenez in the same deal. Uh, as to the rest of your question there, Joey, because there are, yes, a lot of question marks, but this is the first year in quite some time that you look at the New York Mets and you look at the rest of the National League and you don't go, oh, my God, how, how are we going to beat these guys? How are we going to beat the Dodgers? There's, they're they're going to sweep us. How do we beat the Cubs this year? Now they match up pretty favorably to everyone. Uh, and, yeah, there, there are teams that are on paper. You look at them and go, yeah, they're probably better than us, but it's probably not by a lot. You know, yeah. the Los Angeles Dodgers – don't get me wrong, they're reigning world champions for a reason, and they're so good that David Price probably isn't even going to crack their starting rotation, and he's one of the highest-paid players in baseball. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but that's just the kind of roster that they've constructed. Meanwhile, the Mets are going to be trotting out, you know, Joey Lucchese every fifth day, who's fine and, certain again, certainly better than some of the other Bozo the Clown ripoff artists 
that we've seen come through here. I don't ever have to see Tommy Malone as a scratch starter in this organization ever again. I don't ever have to see the starting pitcher experiment of Rafael Montero ever again. So the Mets are just in a different spot now. I'm not concerned about Trevor May. I think Aaron Loop will be a nice addition to the bullpen. Uh, the biggest question marks to me are Dylan Betances and uh, I forget his name. Familia? Robert Gazelman. Oh, Gazelman. Gazelman's another one who, you know, Luis Rojas looks at him and goes, oh, I, I think he's got great experience. He's got experience. Wouldn't, wouldn't call it great experience. No experience with Robert Gazelman is a great experience. <laughs> Well, you know what? Now, Casey, I have to ask you this, is that normally when you watch these players trot out, do you normally, you know, like, do your eyes burn like this when you see guys you know, <laughs> on the roster and say, oh, my eyes, they are just burning? I is think that, that, picture, that picture is captioned batting second Alejandro Deaza. <laughs> yes. That, that's what that picture is captioned. Starting at shortstop, Matt Reynolds. My eyes! <laughs> <laughs> Rob DeLuca, would you like to add to any of this? Look, the Mets have made – look, this is a new era of the New York Mets. That's what it is now. This is a brand-new organization pretty much. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like an expansion team, but not really because the number of teams in the league didn't change, but the leadership is different. So now they're in a different mindset. They spent money. They made trades that you would never see, see the Wilpons be doing or spending. So you know what? I think the Mets have a lot to look forward to. The fans have a lot to be excited about. And I, ha I have them in a dogfight with Atlanta. I, I personally see this as a two-horse two race in the NL East. Casey, you and I made the same uh, made the same face when uh, when Rob said something about in a quote-unquote expansion team. I'll let you elaborate on that. I think that there used to be a hockey team called the Seattle Metropolitans, and now they're the Seattle Kraken. Ladies and gentlemen, the New York Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's just a that's just a beautiful setup right there that we love to see from Casey Bryant. It just it just made so much sense because <laughs> honestly, it's it's like the Mets are a new team. You, I'm just convinced. Like this leadership, it's it's different. It's it's a Mets it's a Mets fan running the organization for God's sakes. I mean, this guy knows what fans want because he himself is a fan. He knows what to look for. He knows where to spend the money and he damn sure has the money to do it. So this is a good time to be a New York Mets fan. I fully expect them to be in the hunt all season long and it's going to, and we will see. I think playoffs are definitely in the picture right now, whether or not it's a division title that remains to be discussed, but well, they're definitely in it. What I do know is, is that Atlanta will be trotting out five players, and especially one of which um, that has not pitched in a very long time since his days with Seattle uh, by the name of Drew Smiley. He is currently slated right now on the Atlanta depth chart as the number three starter. Um, as both Ian and Casey did say, is that the there are some spots on the Mets roster um, that that they could potentially, or actually Casey said that that they could match up with these other teams. Um, is there a possibility, guys, that just by looking at this roster for the for the Atlanta Braves here, that 
there could be that sleeper team maybe in the NL East that who knows, it could be the Philadelphia Phillies. It could also be the Miami Marlins or were they a flash in the pan last year when they made the playoffs? Because now we're starting to see Sixto Sanchez starting at the alternate site. And he was originally supposed to be a starter in, I think, I think like a top three starter as well heading into mm-hmm. this upcoming season. Do we possibly see maybe a a dark horse coming out from, I don't know, from the starting gate and making it all the way around the fourth furlong um, and taking out the Mets or the Braves? Do any of you see that as a possibility? I see maybe the Washington Nationals, as I said earlier. I think um, the Nationals are still running out a rotation out there that's very formidable, even though they're all getting up there in age and they're all at points of their careers where they're past their primes and um, just very injury, just have histories of, you know, biting the injury bug. Um, You know, obviously Max Scherzer's as stable as you're going to get as a one, but then you've got Strasburg's injury history. Um, You know, can Patrick Corbin refine his form from two years ago? Um, do you look at a name now you're looking at names like John Lester as your number four, number five starter in that rotation for Washington. What really excites me, um, about the Washington nationals were the, uh, the Josh Bell move and even the Kyle Schwarber move, because as I said earlier is last year, the Washington nationals, even after like Juan Soto did have COVID didn't have COVID, um, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, I mean, you're running one of the best outfield bats right now in baseball and Juan Soto, Victor Robles is a you know, a solid leadoff hitter. Um, but I like the fact that your four or five hitters are no longer Starlin Castro and Howie Kendrick. Now you're going to throw out guys who could hit homers like, uh, Josh Bell and, um, Kyle Schwarber who have history of producing. Now I know Schwarber hasn't had a good spring and I know he's never fully recovered from those injuries that he sustained as a member of the Cubs, but, um, it just goes a lot. It, it really lengthens that lineup for for uh, for Washington, where last year they were just abysmal um, in the hitting department. They've just gotten a lot better, and I think that makes them, in my opinion, a dark horse in the NL East. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think you're you're right. the The Nationals have certainly made a lot of good changes to that starting lineup. You know, Kyle Schwarber, great player, but. It, yeah, I, I do think there's, there are some questions there with, if, is he going to be fully back from his injuries? His, the history's there. And there's also a lot of injury history in the rotation too. So yeah, I think the Washington Nationals have just a few too many questions to. Well, that's why they're a dark horse. Yeah, you know? they, oh, absolutely. I'm, I, I'm not going to lie. It's a dark horse. It's, it, I'm not going to count them out of it. But I don't know if I would say they really have an all-out chance to surpass the Mets or the Braves. Then you look at the team, teams like the Phillies. I, The Phillies are just that weird team that will either show up or not at all. It's They are such a – for me, they're the, they are the hit or miss of the NL East right now. Like they could hit and potentially – put themselves in the race late, late into like August or something, but, or, or they could completely not show up and they're dead by July. It's, it is crazy to me how the Phillies have become the team that are either like they're, they're there for like a week and then they're gone for two weeks. And it's like, you, you're not going to get any consistency. You're not going to have any success with that. And I, I personally believe the, just to touch on the last team there, the Miami Marlins, that was a fluke run in a 60-game season. They are most certainly not going to duplicate that in a 162-game season. They will find themselves right back to where they are in the bottom of the barrel. 
Mm. So now I have to ask you this to follow up on that DeLuca is, is that, do you believe that maybe from looking from two years ago, from the last 162 game season, do you see any improvement because they did have a decent schedule, a decent schedule last year, and they were able to put up some numbers last year in a 48 game set. Do you see them possibly getting maybe 75, 80 wins? The improvement will be there. The problem is the endurance factor. You know, mm. it's, it's 60, 60 game seasons a sprint. A 162 game seasons a marathon, and the Marlins w- are not built for a marathon right now. They they got there because they start they started the 60 game season hot and Sixty, didn't yes. No, they were well. They were also don't forget, Rob. They they played opening day, and then their entire franchise got decimated by COVID nineteen and didn't play for three weeks. That's also, absolutely, that's absolutely that was a huge true. part of it. So yeah. it's it's just yeah. So it's crazy to me to think that the Marlins can duplicate this in a full season. But I do believe, based on the numbers they've been putting up, even in the last even in the last full season, as well as the sprint, that there is room for improvement. Although it is not remotely playoff worthy yet in 162 games. You know what's really crazy, fellas, is that just by looking at the depth chart for the Washington Nationals. It shows how, by looking at first and second base, um, when you look at Josh Bell and Josh Harrison, who will be, you know, at first and second base, respectively. And I know we're not talking about the NL Central at all, but I do have to say this, though, is is that it's wild to see how low the Pittsburgh Pirates have gone, where now it will be two former teammates now playing together in in our nation's capital, Josh Harrison, throwing to josh bell for a put out how weird is that and it just shows how low they could go i mean they have todd frazier and again i I don't want to really you know spend a lot of time on this but i I gotta ask casey who really is the comedian of the room here um it is becoming comical in pittsburgh where they've got todd frazier adam frazier trevor cahill what more really is there and do we see all these guys you know like, do we see something like that happening again? I don't really know what what to make of them. The Pittsburgh Pirates are a glorified farm team for the rest of the league. Uh, they always ha- have been. Uh, all they do is grow prospects, and by the time they turn 27, it's like a proud parent letting their kids go off to college. <laughs> uh, you know, it's allowing. And the one time that they ever took a chance in the last 20 years on a player, it was for Chris Archer of all people. And that completely imploded and that will make them learn their lesson and they'll never spend on another free agent ever again. Uh, They hit rock bottom and they said, mom, dad, I'm sorry. They came back home with their tail between their legs. We'll keep sending out Jason Bay to Boston, mom. We'll keep sending out Xavier Nady to New York three times, mom. Okay. Uh, it's it. We'll, we'll send Joey Lucchese. Okay. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. What you want to trade our ace to San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Take him. take him. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh is a gong show. It always has been. It always will be, but great ballpark. Yeah, it's true. And, the re- and, and obviously folks, the reason why I did bring that up was because, because Ian had brought up Josh Bell, but also because Josh Harrison as well, who will be taking over at second base for the likes of, as Ian did say earlier, Stalin Castro. Um, so looking at the Philadelphia Phillies also, there's really nothing positive about them. We heard just a couple of days ago, um, about how Joe Girardi did not have someone who wanted to grab center field and it was open. It still is open and not a soul 
has come to grab it. That is very, very, very weird when you have McCutcheon in left, Harper in right. Um, there's a possibility where we could have Odebel Herrera in center field. Um, but currently right now on their roster or on their official depth chart as per phillies.com, uh, Scott Kindry, uh is in the minors, Adam Hazley and Roman Quinn. I mean, you'd figure that these players, especially Odebel Herrera, who has been through hell and back, um, would really buckle down and take that center field job by storm. What's going on over there? And, uh, you know, is there any hope in, in, in Bryce Harperville? I think that Adam Hazley will probably seize control of the reins in center field. Uh, he went two for three the other day in like one of the last games of spring training. So he was yeah. showing signs of being more consistent at the plate. You know, it's funny that the Phillies don't get nearly as much flack as as certain other teams in the division do for not having a legit center fielder on their roster. Uh, I think the fact that they have Bryce Harper on their team kind of masks a lot of other issues. They re-sign JT Real Muto, so you can boast that and say, we got the big fish in the, in the free agency market. And that kind of masks a lot of other problems that you have in the organization. They re-signed Didi Gregorius. They re-signed JT Real Muto. Those were their big moves. There were not yeah. a lot of other big renovations made to that roster, and they did need renovations. So uh, to your point, Joey, I, I think that not having a legit center fielder is going to come back to haunt them at some point because if Hazley doesn't work out, they don't have a plan B. Maybe yeah. they do what the Washington Nationals were doing towards the end of Bryce Harper's stint and start sticking him in center field. Yeah. That's and Casey, also don't forget that uh, at one point in the offseason that uh, Philadelphia front office, the Phillies front office had said they didn't even have the money to re-sign JT Real Muto. So they didn't even know yeah. who was going to be who's going to be behind the dish for them at all this season at one point. Yeah, that really is is wild. And you you know what, K Casey, you bring up about the, the renovations. Um, they actually <clears throat> excuse me, they uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, that is, they not well, they let Jake Arietta go through free agency and they signed someone who we have not heard from in nearly three years. Do any of you remember a name? Matt Moore. Yeah. Yeah. San Francisco giants listed right? as their number four starter, Casey Bryant. Again, you're the comedian in the room. What is this? What is this signing? And why is he listed as their number four starter? Give me more, Matt Moore. I mean, how could you not fall in love with someone who, according to RotoChamp, is projected for a five ERA? <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, baby. <laughs> not, not one, not two, not three, not four. <laughs> well, it's it's that's that's the thing though, is that the Phillies have become a patchwork team to where they're so great at one end of the spectrum. Yeah. And the rest of the roster are it's filled with nothings, and yeah. you can't let that slide. You know, I I would like to see from a pure parody standpoint, Vince Velasquez get back to form because he has <laughs> shown flashes of being a good pitcher. I think that your top two, Nola and Wheeler, are as good a one-two punch as any other team in in the National League. Yeah. But the problem is, is that you have no three, four, five anymore. I liked that signing of Arietta to that team. Arietta was never really able to recapture what he had in 2015, but that's a high bar to set. Yeah. So I think that they just didn't have enough. They've become kind of in a similar spot 
to what the Miami Marlins are to where you have such good pieces individually, but not enough collectively to make you a legit, everyone's thinking of you competitor. Casey, that's that's just it. I, it goes back to my point of them just being so hit or miss. If they're not carried by their big guys, they're, they're going to be done for because there's just, there's just this giant hole in the depth uh, in the middle there. Because, you, you know, you got your big guys way up here who are some of the best players in the league. But then it just it comes way down. There's not it's not even like you you have average ball players at that point. You just you're you're picking from the basement over here. And if and if the the top guys aren't literally smashing the ball every night, you're not gonna you're not gonna win the game. And and every third, fourth, fifth day, you don't even know who's gonna go out there. That's not good either. So it, yeah. it comes down to if they're they're in that position where if they're not carried by the big guys, it's gonna be a long season in Philadelphia. Well, we speak about, obviously, uh, about not a lot of depth, but let's move over to the AL East with a team that has a lot of depth now, or do they? The Toronto Blue Jays, right now, they also signed George Springer to a six-year deal. They also have still Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They've got a whole bunch of guys, Randall Grichik as well, Hyunjun Ryu. They've got a whole bunch of guys that will be starting tomorrow. Uh, one o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Uh, are the Blue Jays as good as their roster says, fellas? Let's hear it. Anybody take it first? Sure. Um, look, I, yeah, as the AL East, as an AL East guy, I'll go first here. Um, I think we're seeing something from Toronto that we haven't seen in a very long time, and that's them spent much like the Mets spending money. Yeah. They're, they're throwing out these big contracts to guys and they, they normally never do that. They, they were not known to do this, that, but now that they, they've decided to turn a corner, like, you know what we, you know, spend money to make money kind of thing. You know, we got to pay the guys. We got to pay the big guys. If we want to get the big, big runs in the big game and get the big wins. And that's what Toronto is doing. They have certainly made themselves relevant right now. I don't know if it's enough to pass the New York Yankees in the AL East for the AL East title, but it certainly, certainly puts much like the Mets. It puts the Blue Jays right back in the talks of being in, in the hunt for the playoffs. And finally, what feels like finally now that there might actually be, could be a potential race in the AL East. And wow. that is what is in exciting times because after once again, I, I ignore the, 2020-60 game season as that just had things all over the place. You could look back to the last full season in 2019 and it it wasn't, it was not a race. It was won comfortably by the Yankees in 2019. So you want to see so I think this year in 2021, we're going to see a good race. But I think overall the Yankees will come away, but the Blue Jays are absolutely someone to keep an eye on. Certainly a dark horse to overtake the Yankees and certainly Someone that could make some noise in the playoffs should they get there. But is their roster as good as the as it says, though? See, that's that's the good question that only playing the game can tell you. Because on, on paper, on paper, you absolutely have to buy into this team. There's too many big guns on there to say that they're not going to produce uh, on the field. But that's what it just comes down to. You have you can do all the talking on the paper and off the field. It always comes down to what happens after the final out of the ninth inning. They also signed a, a, a relief pitcher by the name of Kirby Yates too, where actually there were some red flags uh, in his physical with his elbow. 
with the Atlanta Braves, as well as the aforementioned Toronto Blue Jays. The, the Blue Jays did eventually sign him, but he is out this season due to Tommy John surgery. So they are down a closer. Ian Schreier are the Blue Jays as good as it looks on paper. And does that Kirby Yates uh, injury, does that make Toronto uh, less of a factor in late in later parts of the game? If they, if they have a lead, who's going to close for them? Well, the closer looks like it's going to be Jordan Romano right now for yeah. the Toronto Blue Jays. But um, I, I agree uh, just about on every point that Rob made uh, with respect to the Toronto Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are, are a team that are that is on paper going to give the Yankees a run for their money. Um, they are my they are my sleeper team to win the American League East 100 um, percent just because of what's going on with the Yankees with injuries and pitching depth. Um, and whether or not the Yankees can stay healthy. Um, but with respect to the Blue Jays, they remind me a lot of the Mets. Um, they're, they're a young team surrounded by a superstar. Um, you know, you got George Springer in center field, and then you just got guys that are just, you're just waiting for the, for their bats to break out. Names like Biggio and Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez. And, and, and you just go up and down that roster. You got Danny Jansen, another young player, you know, catching behind the plate who's got good pop in the bat. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like the way the direction the Blue Jays are headed. Um, I think a lot is going to depend on the young guys that are still coming up. I mean, there, there was a lot of good that came out of the former Met prospects, Simeon Woods Richardson, uh, for, the, for the Blue Jays down in Dunedin. The other piece that we really didn't talk about concerning the Blue Jays and what might prevent them is the fact they're starting the season down in Dunedin. Um, that they're, they're not even starting the yeah. season in Buffalo. They're going to start the season at their spring training complex yeah. uh, down in, uh, excuse me, down in, uh, in, in Western Florida. So, yeah. um, you know, is that going to play a factor? I don't know. I mean, it, it really all comes down to, um, you know, are the young bats going to hit? And I think they have enough. Um, I don't want to say experience because experience wouldn't be the right word, but I think they have enough bats in that lineup to produce and score runs. And I think they just need that rotation uh, led by Hyunjin Ryu to, to just, pan out and i think they can absolutely go head to head uh with the yankees on rotation alone just because when you look when you match up the two rotations yeah i don't think you can match up cole and ryu but when you look at kluber and go down and you look at guys like robbie ray and tanner roark and go down i think you can make a lot of comparisons between maybe the uh you could say almost maybe the starting rotation two through five between the yankees and the jays is pretty equal mm, that also includes steven Matz as well casey bryant yeah, the problem with the Blue Jays' rotation is that a lot too many guys are trending in the wrong direction. You know, mm -hmm. Tanner Roark has been trending in the wrong direction for years. In fact, you could argue that he was never on a good trend. Robbie Ray in the last three years has taken a real step backward, and the same goes for Steven Matz. But as far as answering the question as to are they as good as they look on paper, I'd argue they look better. If only it's because you have so many guys that are in that 24 to 27 age range where performance only gets better from there. You could argue that the peak for a baseball player isn't until really you hit age 29. And you have so many guys that are still on the upswing on the offensive side of things. I look at a guy like Rowdy Telez and I say he could probably be batting like seventh or eighth in that roster, he could be hitting 25 to 30 home runs. That's the modern lineup nowadays anyway, where your eight hitter in the American League can pop off for 20 home runs. But he's a fun hitter to watch. Teoscar Hernandez is a fun hitter to watch. And I think that those guys kind of fly under the radar. As yes. I, I, I keep hearing the words dark horse referring to the Blue Jays. I think it's established at this point that they're a legit contender. I, I think you can take the dark out of the horse. And at this point, they're just a thoroughbred. You know, I, I think they're just ready to run because there's a lot of really fun names on this roster. Above all else, they'll be fun. I, if the Yankees don't win, it won't be fun. If the Blue Jays don't win, 
they'll still be fun. And if they win, it'll be a nice added bonus with the expectation of still winning. They're in the perfect scenario right now. Yep. See, now the biggest thing to me here would be in terms of your horse reference, the biggest horse would be the Clydesdale, right? Who is the Clydesdale of the American League East, especially when the Tampa Bay Rays just came off an American League pennant? Are they good enough to defend their pennant, guys? I, It's hard to say so. I mean, Blake Snell is not there anymore. Charlie Morton's not there anymore. I think that's mm-hmm. that's a huge question mark. And and then what becomes of Randy Arozarena? Um, uh, again, the the Rays are all are a very young team. They went. <laughs> it's kind of like comparing them a little bit to the Pittsburgh Pirates, except they're actually successful because the problem is the Rays have all, always have these great prospects, and then they ship them off because they can't pay them. Uh, because, you know, I, I think they were, on Major League Baseball the other day on Twitter, they were doing like a fan vote. And the top two fans in baseball, it was between the San Diego Padres and the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm like, the Tampa Bay Rays, they don't care about professional baseball in Florida. What are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> the only thing good about ever going about the trop, to the trop is hearing the cowbells ringing, you know, on a strikeout. I mean... Or seeing or seeing the mic behind <laughs> behind the counter when you're going to get food. Yes, <laughs> but it, 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 I think a lot comes down to that rotation um, because they're down two of their elite starters, and because they because one signed elsewhere and the other got traded. Um, so can Tyler Glass now give you 20 wins and be an AL Cy Young winner? I mean, he's a solid a, a number two guy. Is he an ace? I'm I'm not so sure about that. And I think a lot comes down to can Randy Arozarena repeat the postseason that he had he he's given me a lot of cespedes vibes man a lot of cespedes vibes um and then not in a good way and not in a good way i'm not saying that he can't but over 162 game season that's a lot to ask of a guy who just came off a terrific postseason a terrific 60 game season but over a a 162 game marathon that's a lot to ask and i just i don't see it for the race this year i think i think they'll be i'll think they'll be competitive i think that maybe they might hover around 500 but i think that's as far as they go I want to end here with Rob DeLuca, but I want to go to Casey Bryan here because you did say you we were talking about the Pirates earlier and about Chris Archer, who, again, is actually slated as the number three starter in Tampa Bay. Does he regain his form or does his arm just simply fall off in Tampa Bay? I tell you what, Tampa is the master of taking these reclamation projects because they also signed Rich Hill as That's well. Terrible. Rich Hill is one of those guys that just always seems to stick around. Long Island Ducks legend, by the way. That's true. That's true. Have you ever have, have you ever heard the joke about the rabbi playing golf? Have you ever heard that one? Uh, there's, this there's, one? there's an old <laughs> adage about a rabbi who wants to golf on the Sabbath. So he asks God, you know, can I please have your permission to go play golf on the Sabbath? And God says, yes, you may, but you're not allowed to tell anyone about it. You cannot tell a soul. And the rabbi goes, fine, fair deal. I'll do it. Well, the rabbi hits a hole in one. And the irony is that he finally hits a hole in one after all these years, and he's never able to tell a soul. Uh. So, <laughs> baseball, that's the Tampa Bay Rays. They make the World Series, they make the playoffs, they're always in contention on the AL East, and no one is around to tell. There's that's no true. one there to speak to. You know, I, if they don't make the playoffs this year, do you think Tampa will have it? Tampa already has their Super Bowl, they have their Stanley Cup. They'll show up for the parade, they'll never show up for the game. So I don't think anyone will care. But Randy Rosarena, I do think, will will perform well. Their pitching staff will be fine.
fine because always is fine. Chris Archer will probably have back to a three and a half ERA because, of course, Tampa Bay Devil Rays Matt Devil Magic. <laughs> they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be great. I, I do think their era has kind of come to an end because I think there's a lot of poison in the air about the Rays uh, organization right now, stemming from disgruntled players and ownership that clearly has half its heart in Canada. Mm, that is true. Now, Rob DeLuca. Now, how about former New York Mets legend Michael Waka being the number five starter uh, down in Tampa oh, Bay? Of reclamation projects. Lordy. <laughs> Rob DeLuca, your thoughts on uh, on Tampa Bay looking to defend its AL A American American League pennant? The Tampa Bay Rays are probably a team that took a gut punch it, or during this offseason, yeah. a hard gut punch, and it actually yeah. knocked them down. And they haven't and they haven't gotten back up yet. Mm. They, did not, they did not. They look. You lose Blake Snell. You lose Charlie Martin. You, they did not replace those guys in any way, shape, or form. But, but not that it's not that easy to do. These are very, very good players. You can't just go out there and get someone and be like, "Yeah, you're replacing Charlie Morton." Yeah, you're replacing Blake Snell. You can't do that. It th those are those guys are very expensive, and most of them are readily unavailable because they're already signed to these huge contracts. But but uh, but I I didn't see the Rays really do anything to try to patch those holes. So I, it's for me, I don't, I see them back in the 500 days. They're, they're kind of back there now. Then. Wow. They're, they're kind of stuck there. They're going to be stuck there. I, I agree with Casey though, a lot. The word is fine. They're not going to be terrible, but they're certain they're not going to repeat their pennant. They are not going to repeat the division title. So oh, they didn't win the division. That's right. They didn't win the division. They did not win the division. No. no. They they but they will not repeat the pennant. And it's at this point, I just there's not a lot there's not a lot to hope for in Tampa Bay, especially when you can't even keep a a full house in Florida, Florida, the home of spring training baseball, and there's a team there full time all year round, and you can't even get the building half full, and even when you do. It's of the other team's fans. They Maybe that's the problem. Maybe they only think that baseball is around for one month. Maybe they think that like after March the season's over and like oh that it's like when the carnival comes to town and they're like oh well, the the state fair sure was fun this year, mom. Hope I can get some fried Oreos. <laughs> Florida's just Florida's just always been that state that that has never really cared about professional sports. I mean, no. when you think, when you think about it, they, I mean, professional football, maybe, but they are a college sports state. Yeah. I mean, well, you look up and down that state and you see university of Florida, Miami, FSU, um, that, that, the U. Well, I said Miami, you know, oh, like, yeah, they're, yeah. you know, they're, 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 a you know, they're a state that is surrounded from really from September. If you want to include college basketball until late March, early April, um, is just enthralled with college sports. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I know like the U is not selling out college football games anymore, but you go to the swamp and you, you know, you go to, you go to FSU and I mean, those games are packed, sold out. I mean, Florida state games in the thick of a pandemic this year, no masks and what felt like 20,000 fans were there in, 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 you know, in September. So yeah. no, that, 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 that state has never been one to identify with its professional teams. Even when the Florida Marlins have won two world series, like it, it's unbelievable that they put that many fans in the stadium, just because 
if you go back and I, I, I when I was when ESPN did their thirty for thirty about the um, the world uh, the the uh, McGuire Sosa home run chase, um, there was talk about I think when McGuire came to Florida. Um, the Marlins averaged their highest attendance of the year, and I had, and I went back to look at um, from that season in '98. Um, considering this is the year after they won the World Series, right? Um, to see what that attendance was. That attendance was somewhere in the range of forty-five thousand. The rest of the year, the Florida Marlins averaged, I believe, ten thousand. Yeah. So it, it, it's just an on, it's just the ongoing soap opera that is, you know. Not saying that professional baseball doesn't belong in Florida, that professional sports don't belong in Florida. They'll always be there, will always be in Florida, but that is far from the number one priority when it comes to sports in that state. Well, yeah. you know why no one cares about pro sports in Florida is because it's all transplant New Yorkers. Uh, yep. The only people who care about pro sports are people like us who move down there and give them a pro sports scene while we're continuing the Floridian slander. He's got a point there. I mean, look, all those all those professional sports championships that these teams have given you and you're <laughs> never at the games to see them. Like, you've got to be kidding me here, folks. You just got enough, you just got your second Super Bowl from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Marlins have given you two World Series. The Tampa Bay Lightning have given you two Stanley Cups. What mm. more could you ask for? And the Tampa Bay Rays have given you two World Series appearances in this millennium as well. That's so true. what more could you really ask for? And how about for? the Miami Heat? The Miami Heat were just in the NBA Finals, absolutely correct, and they won what three rings in the in, in this millennium already? Yeah. So what are we doing here? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we could we could have a whole conversation about the Miami Heat because they're uh, they're on the upswing as well. But enough of uh, about basketball here, guys. Let's move to the uh, let's stay in the AL East, but now let's talk about the bottom of the barrel. And uh, the and and the Boston oh. Red so- the the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. There is one good story about the bottom of the barrel, though, guys. Last year we did hear about Trey Mancini, who was diagnosed with cancer last year. Um, he is currently making a comeback. He will most likely be in the opening day lineup for the Baltimore Orioles. Guys, how good is it to see a a story that really he was very scared? The Baltimore Orioles were scared. His family was scared. He's now back, going to be back in the lineup. How good is this to see for Mancini and his family? It's, it's the best. I mean, you, you can't you can't get more feel good than that. Uh, I, Trey Mancini, you know, kudos to you, man. You're back. Let, I hope you have a great, I hope he has a great season. Cause honestly, that will be pretty much the only amount of good news the Orioles could possibully get this season. So hopefully I really, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he be, he's beaten it. He's, he's fighting. He's going to continue to fight. He's going to win. And hopefully he has a great season, but unfortunately for the Baltimore Orioles, if we want to answer the baseball part of it, long season ahead. <laughs> I mean, the best hitter, uh, I'm going to give way to, to Casey only because I have to, and I'm going to lead him into it. But um, <laughs> the, the best hitter in in their lineup right now is Hurt, and that's Anthony Santander. And um, after that, it's, it, you know, there were guys like Michael Franco that the Mets were, who were going to be starting for the Orioles who the Mets were interested in, in putting on their bench. But I'm just going to lead Casey Bryan in saying that Matt Harvey is the number two starter in their rotation. Take it away, Casey Bryan. Former <laughs> Met legend. Say it with us, boys and girls. Where did former Mets go to die? That's right. Camden Yards. <laughs> starter Tommy Malone. I mean, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate organization because, again, 
Terrible team. Great ballpark. Boogs ribs out in center field. I mean, I mean, that's 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 the the barbecue spot. Uh, but Trey, Trey, Trey Mancini coming back from from cancer is such a great story from a life perspective. But also, if we're speaking purely from a baseball perspective, that's a three hundred hitter that has a capacity to go thirty home runs this year. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a true. star that you're getting back in your lineup. So if you're able to couple him with Let's say you get a good year from someone like Ryan Mountcastle, who's on the upswing, a younger player. I think he's 24 years old and he's coming in. Let's say you can get a decent year out of Michael Franco if he's going to play consistently. You may not be an out-and-out joke, you know, because at least then you can start to accumulate major leaguers, you know, because the Orioles take their sweet time in rebuilding. And every now and then you run into a year where, like 2015, we're able to accumulate enough young arms in the bullpen like Brock and Britton. You have enough good hitters like Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo. Uh, Every now and then you're able to piece it together from other people's castaways and start patching together a team. They're obviously not there yet. They're in a rebuild. Why why beat a dead horse? They're not going to be very good, but it is what it is. And they're also in just the worst division to rebuild in because you will just be pounded into the dirt by the other teams in that division. <laughs> now, yeah, let me story, ask you. The story of the Baltimore Orioles, and I'm sorry to cut you off there, Joey, is Adley Rutschman, is, is, is the catcher that they had drafted number one overall um, a, a couple of years ago. Like, he is the story of when, you know, is he, I don't think he's projected right now to start the year. Um, in Baltimore with the with with the major league franchise, but I, I Pedro Severino will start. Yeah, I think the countdown is really just on to see what this kid is about. I mean, he was touted coming out of college. Um, he was the number one pick for a reason. He's supposedly a, an incredible power threat, but uh, it, it, it it's kind of like them and the Detroit Tigers. It's when you know when are you going to see the kids start making their way up uh, so we can see what their future is all about. Yeah, no, absolutely, fellas, and I think that. Uh, something that I wanted to get to uh, to Casey Bryant before I, I needed I, I needed a good laugh here. You you speak about how how these you know they're going to get pounded and whatnot, and we don't want to beat a dead horse to death, right? But we do want to beat this horse to death. Uh, you're telling me now that that there is a chance that Freddie Galvis could maybe make the difference in uh, in Baltimore. Why not? I mean, if we're just looking up and down the lineup of of this team, uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 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 R- Ramon Urias. Casey, close your eyes and just point and see oh. what you come up with. I tell you what, my, my fa- can I tell you who my favorite Baltimore is? <laughs> uh, you know, he's on the roster now. Uh, that Brady Anderson, he's really due for a break. Uh, you know, I think BJ Scherhoff is really due. Uh, <laughs> He's really had a great year. Uh, you can't forget about a young up and comer by the name of Luke Scott. Uh, you, forgot, you forgot about Mike Bordick, Casey. Oh, Mike, Mike Bordick. Bordick. <laughs> I, was, I was pacing myself to get to the Mike Bordicks. And, uh, and uh, I, you know what? Having Steve Finley out in center field is really <laughs> a big difference for them. I can keep going. If you want me to get to Jared Saltalamaki, Matt Wieners, is he still there? Uh <laughs> Now I have to ask this question as as I'm as I'm currently crying right now from that laugh. Now, it's a how loaded, Joey, it's a loaded question. I, look, look, I was moved to tears too when Melvin Mora came out of the tunnel for opening day. <laughs> I was moved too. I I understand. I get it. What do you consider Wade LeBlanc then? 
Oh, Dwayne LeBlanc, are you kidding? The savior of this franchise? You know, you stick him out there in the field with the decrepit corpse of Cal Ripken next to his brother Billy, and, and you got yourself a people. You've got a real ball club there. Uh, I tell you what, boy. Uh, just, just, I, just not, a lot of people thought that signing Pat Dobson at age 70 to throw out uh, for opening day for them this year, a lot of people thought that was a bad move. I disagree. I thought it was great. Just, just bring Earl Weaver out of the grave to manage this team that Casey's mentioning. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's a Earl Weaver simulator that we've generated from Watson AI. We brought up Melvin Mora. That 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 killed me, Melvin Mora. Oh my god. Well, we speak about we speak about bottom of the barrel teams, fellas. The Boston Red Sox are absolutely all over the place because they just lost Jackie Bradley Jr. to Milwaukee. Uh Currently, right now, they still actually have Chris Sale on the roster, which is wild. We completely forgot about him. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Yovaldi, Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, Nick Pavetta, your current one through five. That does exclude Chris Sale right now. Um, and then let's not forget former former Colorado Rockies legend uh, Adam Ottavino uh, is also on the roster as well, projected to be that seventh inning guy. Um, there's also a lot of, uh, a lot of issues, you know, looking at, I don't know, the rest of their roster where you've got Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Kike Hernandez actually is, is out there as well. Uh, Christian Vasquez as well. Um, you know, Ian Schreier, what do you see with this Boston Red Sox team? Do we see them finishing any higher than fourth? <laughs> I still, still can't stop laughing over <laughs> I, I, I still can't stop laughing over J Jared Saltalamacchia. Oh my god! <laughs> Who, by the way, is also another Boston Red Sox legend. Oh, oh man! Uh, I think we discussed this on the show a few weeks ago when um, when we were still when we had um, a live show and we had discussed the uh, Andrew Benintendi trade and uh, what we thought about the Boston Red Sox. And I think uh, the Pakoda projections had them at eighty and eighty-two, and I think eighty is really a very nice number for the Boston Red Sox. Um, I think they're they're very much going to underachieve on that number. Um, there's just a lot of that rotation has to do with health. I mean, look, they're going to hit the ball. Um, JD Martinez. I think, you know, I think, I mean, well, JD Martinez needs to refine his form from a couple of years ago, but um, you know, are they, you know, they've got to negotiate an extension at this point with Raphael Devers, um, you know, Xander Bogarts and uh, you know, who they got in the trade, Franchi Cordero, um, you know, from Kansas City in the uh, Benintendi trade, and you know, it, they've got guys that are gonna that are gonna swing the bat in the middle of their lineup. Again, the same that was the same issue they had last year when they had guys, you know, like when they had like Mitch Moreland batting like fifth or sixth, and then at the bottom and the top of that order is just very very questionable with guys like Bobby Dalbeck. Like there's there's not there's not a, a lot to love about the Red Sox. That's why I think eight you know under eighty is is, is almost a lock for Boston this year. Um, yeah, Chris Sale's still on the roster. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez is your number one starter. I mean, he's coming off heart problems. Um, you know, yeah. guys like Garrett Richards, you, you know, who who was a reclamation project last year, the last couple of years in San Diego. Nate Evaldi, I mean, who was in the league, you know, who was this projected star at one supposed to be this projected star at one point with the Yankees, and now he's tried to refine his game in Boston. I mean, there's th Right now, the the Red Sox might not say they're in a rebuild, but they are very much in a rebuild. They had they had they had Devers' name out there as a possible trade candidate in the offseason. So this is a team that's still, I mean, that is 
going to be it's going to be them and the Rays probably to determine who's going to be three four in that division. They're probably four. Um, they'll get nineteen wins just because they're going to play the Orioles. But it's um, uh, th- there's there's really not much to, to like about Boston. They're, they're just like you know Baltimore. They're they're in a little bit better of a rebuild because maybe they're a little bit closer because there's talent that they could surround them with. But but to say that um, you know Boston's going to be anything special this year is probably a far reach. Are you talking bad about my Baltimore Orioles? Are you no, talking? Oh, no, about don't you don't do start led Baltimore Orioles. Don't you start? Don't you start again? I'm, I'm, I'm taking a drink so I don't spit it out. So this is something else too, and and I want to get to Ian, uh, or actually back to Casey here because, um, you know, Boston is bad also, but now actually Baltimore, we actually just see this as breaking news here. Uh, Baltimore, uh, they're they're starting their their ace actually, King Felix. Uh, he actually just opted out of the season. Uh, does this impede any plans uh, of Baltimore obtaining uh, 40 wins this year, Casey Bryant? You know, if, if they are, they're really, they're really going to have to ride Sid Fernandez's arm. You know, uh, I think that uh, he may be old, but he's reliable. Uh, you, you've got a young up-and-coming Arthur Rhodes out, coming out of the bullpen. Uh, but having Armando Benitez close, uh, I, I understand that he didn't do well in the World Series the other year, but you know, uh, he's got a lot of potential. That one, can we discuss that? We haven't even gotten to the Yankees yet, and we're asking Casey for about 10 minutes about the Orioles. Listen, I'm just breaking news. I am just breaking the news that we are getting here. First off, first off, first off, Felix Hernandez didn't even make it out of camp, number one. (laughs) So where where you got he's the ace of the staff, I'm not sure, but he didn't even make it out of camp. I'm just reading. I'm just reading the 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 uh, the the stuff here that that we're seeing all over Twitter. He is the ace. He is the ace. That's all. And and he looks great, by the way. He He looks great, by the way. He he's opting out. He was the ace. He's not the ace anymore. Right, right, right. He's, he's no he's no longer the ace. There. That's right. That's uh that's Mar- Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight of Baltimore, the Dark Crab. It's actually Sidney Ponson, but we'll leave that for <laughs> Long Island Ducks legend Sidney Ponson at one there point. You go. Casey Bryant, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they're again another reclamation project. Do you see them getting higher than fourth place? Uh, I think it would be a stretch. I think they might be able to ride their offense to third, potentially if the Tampa Bay Rays just are entering to free fall mode. This team reminds me a lot of the 2012 Red Sox where their offense is fine, but their pitching may just crap the bed. Yeah. Uh, because if you remember in 2012, they had a lot of names in their rotation and just every single one of them turned in a horrid year. Yeah. Uh, but their offense this year has a lot of things to be excited about. I love the addition of Kike Hernandez to that team. I really think that he brings a certain element to them that I you can't obviously replace what Mookie Betts did, uh, left when he uh, when he departed and losing Benintendi for nothing in the immediate hurts. But Kike is versatile. He's a good contact hitter that can that has some pop to his bat. I like the young bat of Verdugo entering into that lineup. And if JD Martinez has a bounce back year, that's a good lineup one through nine where it's a lot of home runs, which they'll live and die by. Uh, they're a lot like a 95 Rockies team where just like if they can hit the home run every single game, they may win. If Todd not, led, yeah. Yeah, it's, if they're, they're in trouble, you know, if, so I, I think that they're probably a 75 win team. If I'm be if I'm being hard on them, I 500 would probably be, be kind. Uh, but I could see them at the very least, maybe even having some, uh, bench pieces that they trade. 
You know, they have a lot yeah. enough guys in their lineup to where you could probably have if someone has 20 home runs by the trade deadline, I could see them flipping them. Like JD could be a trade candidate. Yeah. Rob DeLuca, for your final thoughts on uh up oh, and it looks as if that we lost Casey now. He is I made, back. I made one real joke too many. <laughs> <laughs> I got kicked out. <laughs> Rob DeLuca, your closing thoughts on the uh, on the Boston Red Sox. It's a good time to be the Yan- a Yankees fan right now. The Yankees are good. The Red Sox are not. How could life as a Yankee f- Yankees fan be any better than that? But in all seriousness, until you look until you look at the roster. <laughs> yeah, well, touche. Yeah, all right. But nonetheless, Less beachless, the Red, man. The Red no, Sox- I mean, look, look. I mean, I know. Uh, sure, you want to, you want to, you want, you want to start the transition into the Yankees. We're sure, not there right. yet. We'll get We're there. Not there yet. I'll get, believe me, I'll make that I transition mean. shortly. But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, the Red Sox lost a couple pieces. They, they, they bringing in Hernandez was a very nice ad. I will admit, it's this is definitely going to be an offensive heavy team. This is a, like Casey said. They, they are going to have to live and die by their by the home run. There's no other way around that because honestly, when you play in a ballpark that has a 300 foot foul pole, that's all, all you got to do is try to hit it there. And it's a little pop-up and it's, it's a home run. And then of course there's all you got to do is hit the ball very high to left and it, it'll probably go over because the green monster really isn't that far back. So if you, you hit it high enough, it'll, it'll go. So it, and the Red Sox play 81 games there. So, that could help them win a few games, but overall, this is a team in a rebuild. I would say they win about 75 to 80 games. That's probably their range right now. It's a it's a fair range for a team that is really not in a spot to win. But, you know, they might win a few more games than expected if their offense stays consistent and stays healthy. And then, as Casey mentioned, trade deadline comes around. There could be some moves out there to help enhance the rebuild, make it go a little faster. I'll go a little bit lower than that, Rob. I'll, I, you know, what I, I don't. I think seventy-five to eighty is fair, but I think I think they'll be somewhere in the in the seventy to seventy-five range. I see them seventy-two and ninety. I think is 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 a more fair um, evaluation. I think of Boston at this point. Mm. Well, guys, let's transition over into the final team within the AL East, the New York Yankees, where they will be sending out in their rotation one through three, respectively. Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber, and Domingo Herman. Yes, we have not heard wow. that name in a few seasons yep. uh, due to some domestic violence issues for the aforementioned Domingo Herman. The next two starters in that rotation is Jordan Montgomery and TBD. That's not really a good sound when you're looking for a uh, a one a formidable one through five when the Toronto Blue Jays really have a, again, as, as Casey Bryant brought up a trending downward one through five uh, in Toronto. I want to start with Casey here because he's, he's the outsider, you know, he's a Mets fan, obviously, but um, the outsider looking in, uh, in terms of a, in terms of a fan perspective, um, you look and see, obviously the, the uh, low risk, high reward signing of Corey Kluber, the trade for Jamison Tyone. Uh, they live and die by Garrett Cole, clearly. What do you see from this rotation when I just brought up those three names, especially one who has not pitched in two years? 
you know, I think that Yankee fans are generally pessimistic whenever they look at their roster uh, because they'll collect all-stars and then say we need more all-stars. Corey Kluber is an elite pitcher when he's when he's healthy. And I, I genuinely believe that Corey Kluber will return to form. Uh, I just I don't think that he's crapped out of his career yet. Uh, and if you get even an average Corey Kluber, that's better than a lot of other pitchers in this league. Uh, I would say an average Corey Kluber is better than a good James Paxton. I think that's just facts. Uh, I And that's an improvement. Jordan Montgomery, I... I continue to believe in as a pitcher because I like his makeup. I really like his sinker that he mixes with that big sweeping curveball coming from the left side. He's a very lanky pitcher. I don't know. Maybe I just have a thing for lanky lefties because I'm a Randy Johnson guy. And and, and maybe that, maybe that's just my, my archetype who knows, but I, I like his makeup. I like the change that he mixes and he genuinely sparses out his pitches very well. And while he may not wow you with his numbers yet, I, I have faith in him entering into the starting rotation as opposed to being a spot starter bullpen ish guy. Uh, so, and the trade for Tyone is fine. Uh, so I think that the, the Yankee fans have to live with having a fine rotation and not needing, Oh, we need to go get this guy. We need to go get this guy. Relax. You're okay. You're going to win the division. It's, I think that you, you only really have one legit divisional contender in your, in there in Toronto and even still, you'll you'll be a wild card team. So at the end of the day, really all, all you need are three really good starters that you can rotate when it gets time to the ALCS. And I feel that you have that in Cole, Kluber, and whoever establishes themselves as the number three, be it Montgomery, be it Domingo Herman, be it whoever decides to throw on pinstripes and have an explicably good year. So with that being said, Rob DeLuca and Ian Schreier, who can you rely on if, God forbid... Garrett Cole were to go down. Oh God! Don't even start with that <laughs> image in my mind. For the love of God, we're already pitch. We're already pitching him in Game Five on three days rest after Opening Day. That's already decided because Aaron Boone has decided to slowly bring in Jamison Talon to this team. He's gonna. Jamison Talon will be going Game Six, so Garrett Cole in literally the opening week is going to be pitching on three days rest, which is. He's preparing for October. That's all it is. Yeah, nothing he can't handle. Nothing he hasn't done before 7,000 times. What about two days rest? Oh, sure. No rest. No rest. (laughs) Where are we going? Where are we going? Nolan Ryan style here, Casey? Old Ross Radborn, baby. Give it back to the 1880s. Yeah, I mean, look, (laughs) at this point, point, look, I love the spot that the Yankees are in, but every year it comes down to the injury bug. They already have lost Luke Voigt until June. So this is that's that's obviously not an ideal start. Your star first baseman, home run king yeah. last yeah. season, led the league with 21 home runs, an incredible year for Luke Voigt, and he's gone until June. And honestly, but honestly, Joey, when it comes down to it, realistically, the Yankees need to survive with, with that rotation. It's just gotta survive until June and Luis Severino's back. And they'll have a little. And they'll have a little more depth, a couple backup options at that point. They just got. They they literally need to survive and not get hurt. That is what the Yankees' problem has been since 2018. Injuries. The injury bug has hit this team hard. It's like it. It's like it left the New York Mets from the first half of the 2010s and completely plagued the New York Yankees. 
Like it never like, no, we we the the 2019 Yankees were falling like the 2013 Mets. Literally everybody got hurt. You didn't know who half the lineup was, and it, it was just absurd to see how many injuries could happen. You it made you think how many more injuries could possibly happen with this team. It was day after day something new went wrong. So the Yankees' main focus should be staying healthy because they absolutely have the talent and they have the capabilities to win a lot of games. I personally have them as the division champs once again, and I think that they're going to – time is – the clock has to start ticking, by the way. A deep playoff run needs to start happening now. They need to get past that ALCS. They need to get past that game six, game seven hump of the ALCS. How hard – how hard must life be to be a Yankee fan when I hear a Yankee fan say, we need to make a deeper playoff run than the ALCS. And then secondly, to compare and say that the 2013 Yankees to the 2013 Mets of, yeah. that, were, that were led by R.A. Dickey, who won the AL, who won the NL Cy Young that year. Um, and the Mets on that team had guys like Ike Davis, Lucas Duda playing I picked, right I picked field, a random year. And Henry Blanco probably behind the plate. You're missing the crux. He said like the injury riddled 2013 Mets. So he's not talking about Davis. He's not talking about Duda. He's talking about Mike Baxter coming in. Danny Valdespin. Wow. He's out here saying that Cameron. Another Maven Long Island Ducks legend, by the way. Yes, thank you. He's out here saying that Cameron Maven hitting 290 is comparable to having to watch <laughs> Colin Cowgill on a daily basis. Joey, this went oh, about as beautifully as I could have hoped. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Mets fans rattled. Please, Joey. It please. went as beautifully Rob, as Rob, I could have possibly off. said making that comparison. Rob, first off, please never try to make another Mets Yankees comparison from <laughs> that, that, that predates so Steve Cohen ever again. Exactly ever I again. So I set him off and it worked. I'm gonna quote one of one of my one of my best friends. This was years ago, and I and I know I'm I'm, I'm kind of unloading a story here from from uh, from a number of years ago. And I, I remember we were sitting there talking. He's a diehard Yankees fan, and he tells me that oh, I really don't like the way the Yankees are playing right now. And this is around the time that the Orioles were actually good and they were making the playoffs under Buck. And he said to me, I think the Mets must have been, I don't know, maybe nine games out of first place. What else is new? Um, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm really worried about the Yankees. And I'm like, why? Well, they're only six and a half games up in first place. What a problem. What a problem for Yankee fans. That the lead on the Orioles is not double-digit games. But but nevertheless, off that tangent, um, I think for, for the Yankees, uh, I- injuries is the key. Um and also, I, I, look, I, I think K- Casey's very optimistic about the about the Yankee rotation. I understand the story with Kluber, but Kluber's also coming from a ballpark, even though he he didn't he never even made a start with Texas. Um, he's coming from a Cleveland ballpark that doesn't allow anywhere close to the number of home runs or runs scored that Yankee Stadium does. That's true. It's yeah. a different. I mean, this guy's coming off a serious injury last year. He can't if he does re- if he does. Uh, I mean, revert to form. I mean, you've got. AL Cy Young winners. I mean, either way, with the label, you have an AL, you have a Cy Young Award winner in, in your number one starter and your number two starter. I think the Yankees in the rotation were hoping for more to see in the spring out of Davey Garcia. That's who they were mm. hoping to see a lot out of. They yeah. didn't see him. He didn't make. He now he's going to the alternate site. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't seen. I haven't seen enough with Jordan Montgomery. And what we have seen from Jordan Montgomery in the past hasn't shown to pan out just yet. And granted, he's still very, very young. Yeah. Um, 
you know, when, when, you know, my, you know, the thing is, is with the Yankees, and we haven't even spoken about really their lineup yet. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Luke Voigt, who's out till June. Um, what, you know, Aaron Judge right now is not healthy. Um, and opening day is tomorrow. Um, and granted, it's a long season, but um, what can you expect at this point out of Giancarlo Stanton? I mean, the Yankee fans seem ready to run this guy out of town. Um, you, you have to hope DJ LeMay, who continues to be the player he's been for the Yankees the last two years, because that has really been the anchor of that team's offense. I mean, Stanton's on the DL in April. Judge is on the DL in May. Hicks is on the DL in June. Like, it's it's one thing after another. So for, for the Yankees, the Yankees, it, 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 it's, it's scary to say that a guy in his late 30s is, is really – the uh the you know the offensive juggernaut behind how this you know the fuel between how this engine you know continues to uh run roll but that's yeah. the case i mean it really comes down to dj lemayhu yeah. yeah dj lemayhu loves playing his small ball that's what he's going to keep playing he'll hit the occasional home run when you need it especially because it's yankee stadium you know it's a favorable ballpark for pretty much any hitter that walks into the park especially in right field but nonetheless you're at, it, it does come down to health. This team needs to stay healthy for once. And then we will, yep. like, you will, if Stanton and Judge and everybody can stay healthy for more than 20 games, you will see what the Yankees can and should have been for the past five years. I don't I don't disagree, Rob, but just do me a favor. Never make a pre-Steve Cohen Yankees went, comparison that ever again. So <laughs> I could have expected it to go. I, I got you guys fired up, and that was my goal. It's more fun that way. We have more fun. We need more fun around here. And you can see it in Casey's face that he likes yeah. to have fun. He's a fun-loving guy. Wasn't like fun. uh, Casey, wasn't Andres Torres on like that 2013 Mets team that was supposed to be so brilliant? I mean, Andres Torres, your outfield at one point was Torres, Newenheis, and Matt Dendecker. Oh. Yeah, that's the that's the point I'm making. It's like when you get that injury riddled, you don't you 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 lose track. You just and you 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 give up hope when you're that. Oh, no, that was not an injury riddled team. I think that was their actual roster. <laughs> no, that's true. I tell you, if I can use a hockey analogy here for a moment, please uh, do. The Yankees lineup is kind of like the Pittsburgh Penguins every year, where their yeah. lineup is Sidney Crosby and two guys on his wing that you've never heard of. They dragged out of Section 200 and have 40 points this season. <laughs> That's true. He's not wrong, ladies and gentlemen. He's really not. And you know what? And, and you bring up that point because just last year, you speak about someone who is being dragged, basically, and someone who has come out of the woodwork by the name of Kyle Higashioka. He got Yoka. There we go. Uh, he's come out of the woodwork, and he was the starter, the starting catcher uh, behind or in front of Gary, rather Gary, Cole. Gary Sanchez. Yeah. So you speak about some of these players that you know that really make a difference uh, in the latter parts of the season. How about someone named Jay Bruce who is going to be starting as the first baseman tomorrow, which is really wild um and on top of it too you guys bring up about dj lemayhew as well and you brought up you brought up about the lineup now i think the biggest thing here too is is that where gary sanchez had kind of you know not even kind of a horrendous year last year kyle higashioka was the one who came in there fought for the catcher's position the catching job and then also Brian Cashman was able to sign Robinson Chirinos for a little bit more of an oomph and a push towards his butt to be able to say yeah. who is a qualified major league catcher who's been released, really push him to get to become who he used to be. Um, how good do you think Gary Sanchez could 
I guess, become again. And also, how about the likes of Clint Frazier? Um, you know, this is another one, too, where Clint Frazier, next man up mentality, he really took the bull by the horn last year. We're starting to see these guys, um, you know, there's a lot of storylines in, in, with uh, with the Yankees here. Going back to the catcher's position as well, Aaron Boone also said that not a soul, not one pitcher will have a personal catcher this year. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I, that's I, big. I, look, I, I, I want to get back to Sanchez, but to me, I don't consider Clint Frazier as the next man up mentality. This guy should have been starting two or three years ago. Um, this that, That's how good Clint Frazier is, and that's how committed the Yankees are to Brett Gardner. To, to, uh, to dispute that, Ian, that's not how good Clint Frazier was. This kid had a serious attitude problem. He did not like that he wasn't getting played, and when he and then when he did play, he'd screw up consistently. I uh, No, and, I understand he that. Was, he was nearly run out of town. He was nearly run out of the Bronx. Because I know, and I understand that. Run out I, think, I think what you've seen, but what you've seen more out of Clint Frazier, and I think his attitude has changed a little bit, Absolutely. is that is that he, you know, is to show, and I understand Guardy is still there for from a leadership perspective and, and things like that, but this is a guy, Clint Frazier, that they've They've constantly his name has been involved in numerous trade rumors. Um, you know, was he? You know, is he ever going to get himself out of Scranton, Wilkesbury? Is you know, um, yeah, no, Ian, you're right. And to be you honest, know, that that's my issue with that. When going back to um to the Yankees in the catching situation, um, uh, Gary Sanchez is the X factor for that team. If Gary hits, that team is going to succeed on the field. I have no doubt about it. Because if guys like Judge are healthy, Stanton are healthy, going back to Rob's point, the team is going to perform. G Gary is the glue, in my opinion, that keeps that lineup together. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think of like you go down the lineup and you think of Hicks, LeMayhew, Judge, Stanton, and then you got Gary hitting five, you know, you need Gary to produce and not pop up in big situations or strike out in big situations, which is what he did all last season and the season before that. So um, I don't like the idea of having Gary, no matter how many maybe uh, – you know, solid defensive catchers, maybe that they brought in to try to mentor Gary Sanchez. I, I still would like if I, as a, if I, if, as a Yankee fan, I would rather have Kyle Higashioka catching Derek Cole, considering their rapport together. Um, I know that's not the sexiest thing to see on opening day is to not have your big power bat when Gary Sanchez, when he's on um, in the opening day lineup, but that, you know, that's that, you know, Aaron, Aaron Boone's doing the right thing, you know, for, for, uh, from a publicity side, but from a perspective of his starting pitcher, who, sh you know, you can make the argument he should be pitching well with any catcher back there. But when you've established a rapport with a catcher that you know is catching you well and is putting the right signs down, is framing your pitch as well, you don't change that. It, it goes. I, it, it, you're right, and it, it goes back to Yankees legend Randy Johnson, who exclusively only wanted to catch with John Flaherty as opposed to Jorge Posada. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just the way true. it works sometimes. You know, you, you make that chemistry with your catcher. Your catcher's it's your best. so important. Those those battery mates, I mean, it's so important for a pitcher's confidence when they know and feel comfortable with who they're throwing to. So, I mean, look, I'm not going to – with game one, I'm really not going to jump on Gary Sanchez's back or Kyle Higashioka's right. back. But but I think Gary Sanchez is by far the glue that can hold that lineup yeah. together and, and, and not even just make them an AL East division winner, but probably – or potentially win them in a World Series. Yeah, me, also, me, pers me personally, I'd like to see Gary Sanchez be that day one starter tomorrow. I hope he is. I would like to see him work well with Garrett Cole because let, let we can't split hairs here. Regardless of how bad he hit, he was still the best. And with how lazy he was behind the plate, he still got the best arm back there. Higashioka's arm does not remotely compare to the one that Sanchez has. Sanchez can gun guys out in a second. It's but when you've got Cole in there, it really no, doesn't matter. It, I'm not sure that matters arm. as much.
But yeah, yeah, it's this this has to be a bounce back year for Gary Sanchez. There's no choice. No Oh no, this is it. This is it for him. It's a prove it year. This is before, it. Before we get to Casey Bryant, I do want to bring up another catcher slash or pitcher slash catcher who did not have or work well together. Uh AJ Burnett and Jorge Posada as yeah. well. We also remember where Jorge Posada still to this day. Uh, is not really on speaking terms with AJ Post, uh, or with uh, with AJ Burnett because of that whole feud back in 2009. It was wild. Uh, it was very wild where he wanted Burnett, uh, Jose Molina to be catching him only. Joe Girardi did allow it. Yeah, no, it's you gotta sometimes. So, look, I get the whole chemistry thing, but you you also gotta work with it sometimes. Sometimes you yeah. just shut up and work with it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta work with the players you're yeah. given sometimes. Yeah. So you know what? I think that that's just it. Uh, but for Sanchez, this is a big bounce back year. He has to get back to the form that we saw in 2018. Yep. And yep. he and as it for Clint Frazier, he is now the starting left fielder. I could not be happier for him. I'm glad that it's finally working out for him. He's a good player. He's he has better than good. He but he's on a short leash. He's yeah. on a short leash because he Brett is. Gardner is right he, behind him. At the le- but at the very least, he's grown up. He is definitely grown up. He is not the player we saw when he first got here. He has improved defensively. He continues to smack the ball like crazy, which is great. We want to see that 282 hitter coming back, coming back to the Bronx. We want to see him killing the ball. We want him catching the ball in the outfield. And now, and here's the thing. That's an, that's where bringing in Brett Gardner probably has helped Clint Frazier along the way because Brett Gardner is that veteran presence that is there to strictly help out the young guys at this point. He's going to be a bench player. He's going to be used seldomly to give guys like Clint Frazier a night or Hicks like guys nights off. And he's going to be – and I guarantee if the situation demands it late in the game, he's going to be used for pinch running because he still, even at nearly age 40, he can still run like hell. So yeah. get so Brett Gardner is still a useful asset to this team. And plus, I would have probably been personally would have been heartbroken if he had to leave this team with no with no ovation from fans because I hate seeing legends go out like that. I don't it's not a way I I would ever I ever want to see it. I did not like how Drew Brees had to go in front of only like 140 Saints fans. That it's not the way guys like that should go. When you when you've been loyal to one organization for like 20 years, you gotta go out the right way with Packed houses, fans in the stands, standing ovations, all the whole nine. Casey Bryant, I see you. I see you have it's a because smirk. I called oh. Brett Gardner a legend. I already know that. My man, my man's just referred to a career two fifty nine hitter as a legend. Get get <laughs> all the way out of this ballpark here, man. Uh, just whatever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In back-to-back breaths, you mentioned Brett Gardner and Drew Brees, legends of the <laughs> 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 no, they're, te- they're legends in their team, but Drew Brees is a legend of the game, but they're both legends in their team. <laughs> is, Brett, is Brett Gardner in the top 15 of players on the Yankees? Probably not, but but he's a career Yankee, so it counts for something. And because Uh, because of the way because of the way Monument Park works, he's probably getting number eleven retired. Just because that's the way life works. No, I don't think so. No, no, no. Rob, I, I'm gonna go get my wallet, and you can have every cent in it. 
if they retire. This is recorded. This is video evidence in the year 2040 when they have Brett Gardner Day at, the, at Yankee Stadium and they finally retire the last number. They all are wearing triple digits or decimal points. <laughs> I, 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 then, I will give you every cent that I have in my wallet. I appreciate that. Look. <laughs> Casey Bryant, your thoughts on uh, – or your final thoughts on, uh, on, on that lineup. You know, the Yankees lineup is obviously great. I think that Jay Bruce fits the Yankee archetype well of dad bod white man who is able to hit 30 home runs. Uh, I think he'll fit in well and have a nice bounce back year with that right field short porch. Uh, I I saw an article in the Post the other day that was comparing Gary Sanchez to Kevin Moss uh, and how like they're, they're both – uh, rookie phenom catchers with the Yankees who flamed out too quickly and couldn't establish themselves. The difference is that Kevin Moss was a third of the player that Gary Sanchez was in their rookie season. Literally speaking, Gary Sanchez tripled his, his war in their rookie season. So Gary Sanchez's peak, the whole reason why people tolerate Gary Sanchez is because of the flashes of greatness that he shows when he's in, when he's at the plate. He's got incredible power. And, and like, like I said, Dad bod, remove the white boy from it. But yeah, he's just got it's just this pudgy hitter that can hit 40 home runs. And that's that's a Yankee. And I think that people will learn to tolerate Gary Sanchez. He's not going to be a 280 hitter like he was rookie year. That was honestly the worst thing that he could have done for himself was set the bar that high. He's a 230 hitter that's going to hit you 30 to 40 home runs. And as a catcher in this league, you take that every day of the week. I think that he'll be He'll he'll bounce back. I think that Yankee media will eventually find something else to obsess over, and I I think the Yankees will cruise the way to the playoffs again. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, ladies and gentlemen. But let's head into the bottom of the ninth inning of our MLB special here, ladies and gentlemen, as we are now about to play buy or sell with certain teams, and that is what we are going to conclude our show with, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the part where our four guys, including myself, will be coming up with some buying and selling of certain teams. So we're going to start out West, and we're going to go, we're going to mix and match a few teams here. And the first team that I want to start with is the Houston Astros. And for those guys that, you know, we're I'm going to come up with a few teams that we're looking at right here, and we're going to come up with some real teams that are right in the middle that could be, will make it nice and hard for all of us, and we'll debate on it. Ian Schreier, Houston Astros, buy or sell? I'm going to buy them um, for the same reason that I said when, when we did our AOS preview. Um, I just like them more than the Oakland Athletics at this point. Half of that division is in a rebuild. Um, when you talk about teams like the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers, um, and then you think of, you know, the Angels, um, again, a team that can never seem to find their, you know, good pitching. Um, so it's really between Oakland and um, and, and Houston at this point. And Oakland just lost, uh, you know, their, their, their big closer in, in uh, Liam Hendricks, who's now in Chicago. Um, and, uh, you know, did I say something wrong, Joey? I thought you were going to, you were going to chime in there. No, 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 no. I apologize. So, no. um, but uh, I think for Houston, I think that just the hitters in that lineup that can still produce uh, the way they can just to, it's the last years we're going to see of uh, Carlos Correa is an impending free agent at the end of the year. Um, you still have Altuve in that lineup. I, yeah, they're missing Springer. There's going to be a lot to make up for in that outfield. Um, I think Jordan Alvarez is going to have a bounce back year. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm buying the Astros this year and even more so probably as, as the winner of that division. 
Rob DeLuca, buy or sell Houston Astros? Look, as a Yankees fan, it's going to hurt to say because, you know, it's, you're never going to be – when you're a Yankees fan, you're never going to be able to let 2017 and 19 go. It's 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 not easy to do when you know when you feel you've pretty and it's been proven that you were cheated out of it. It it hurts, but you have to buy them. This team is still good. They they got they got all the same. Aside from George Springer, the team's basically the same. So they're they're really not missing. They're and Garrett Cole as well. But you know you know yeah, I mean one to two two three guys, the same Jose Altuve's. You know the Carlos Correa's. They're still there. They're still they're still playing and they're still great. As much as I don't like them, they're going to be a good team. I can't quite recall what I said on our AOS preview. I think I might have said Oakland was going to win the division, but it's a, it is a straight-up coin toss between the two of them. I am absolutely buying into the Houston Astros. They will be back into the playoffs, whether it's as division champs or not, and they will be a, they will be a team to fight with in the playoffs. They're going to give people a hard time. They're, they are still primed to make that run. Casey Bryant, Houston Astros, buy or sell? As much as I think that the Astros have solid pieces, I think that Kyle Tucker is an exciting young player. I think Jordan Alvarez is going to bounce back and have himself a very good offensive year. I think Zach Greinke is one of the most entertaining pitchers in Major League Baseball. However, the Houston Astros are a fraudulent team comprised of fraudulent players. I think Yuli Gurriel kind of showed who he really is when he doesn't know when what pitch is coming. I think Jose Altuve showed what kind of hitter he really is when he doesn't know what pitch is coming. Carlos Correa is a 260 hitter. I think a lot of these guys up and down the lineup are not nearly as special when you all of a sudden move the safety net. Funny how that works when your average all of a sudden drops by 50 points. As my, so I do think that they're the favorites in the AL West, but that's just by virtue of the fact that the AL West isn't a very good division. Correct. Correct. There, are, there are really no other competitors in that division. So I think that while the Astros are probably going to make the postseason, I see an early exit for them, if not a clean sweep in the first round. That would be beautiful. Mm. Okay. So does that does that consider, or does that what, what, what would that be, I guess, considered? Buy or a sell? That's That's a hard sell. Get out now, sell fast. Uh, this is not GameStop. You sell this now. Uh, <laughs> Justin Verlander isn't pitching. Yes. This, this is not a team that, that you want to stick around on. This but, is a but, shame. Joey, let me jump in for one second. Are we buying are, are we buying them in terms of potentially as a World Series contender and selling them? Or what, what are we buying or selling them as? We're buying buying them, buying or selling them as contenders for the World Series. No, then I'm gonna then. Oh, see, that's different. I'm buying them to win. The, I'm buying. See, that's why I was considered. So I'm buying. Then, then I'm gonna change because I'm gonna oh, yeah. buy them to win the division. But I'm gonna sell. I'm a. I'm definitely a sell. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, no. Winning the World Series. Yep. No. Big, big, right. big sell on World Series. Easy. Big well, sell. On World Series. I'm gonna sell them. I'm gonna sell them as well. And the biggest thing too is is Zach Greinke is going to be your number one. And we also saw following the trade uh, just a couple of years ago when it was Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and then Zach Greinke. He was unable to really do it uh, against Washington. And now he's going to be your number one. Uh, I'm not really too sold on them. Uh, and on top of what Casey Bryant did say is that all of the numbers have gone down. Michael Brantley can't do it all. He was not a part of the whole, uh, you know, the the whole the whole scandal. 
Um, so he can't really hold the team together, I don't think. Can Carlos Correa do it? Can Altuve do it? Can these guys do it? Yeah, but it's not enough, and I think the pitching is not going to be as great either when Jake Odorizzi is your number three, Lance McCullers is your four. It just it doesn't work. Excuse me, yours your five. It simply does not work out for me. Hard sell. Um, now, I'm going to ask you guys this. This is going to be uh, the final two. We're going to remove the whole World Series thing because that actually kind of, you know, made a little or didn't make 100% sense. But in order to get to, I guess, where we want to get to, which would be playoffs, and then I would just say playoffs for now, the Milwaukee Brewers to get to the playoffs, buy or sell to get to the playoffs. Anybody want to take that first? That's that's, that's that's a tough one, Joey. Um, yeah, Ian, go ahead. Wow, buy yourself. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna sell right now on Milwaukee making the playoffs. Mm. Um, I'm gonna sell just because the Chicago Cubs to me that that is a that is a that is a dead smack an, an atrocious division. Um, that that really is an atrocious division. That that actually, um, you know aside from the Cubs and got a little bit harder now, once the St. Louis Cardinals acquired Nolan Arenado. Um, that's why I, I look they're, they're a team right now that, that again is, 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 is not a team that can, that has a ton of starting pitching. Um, they, they still do have one of the elite closers in baseball and Josh Hader. Uh, but, um, you have to hope Christian Yelich has a bounce back year. Um, th- they're a team that everybody expected to overachieve and they were probably the most underachieving team in baseball last year. And, uh, um, the fact that you know the Cubs didn't sell the entire farm uh, still makes them a contender in the Central. The fact that the Cardinals now have Arenado uh, makes them a contender in the Central. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not buying the Reds this year, um, and obviously not the Pirates. But um, I think that kind of puts Milwaukee right back in the middle of the pack. I think they can compete if Yelich gets back to his MVP form. But I'm a sell simply because I don't think they have the pitching right now, and I think that's that's really going to hurt them when it comes time playing the Cubs and Cardinals. Because when you think about it, one of those teams is probably going to win the the division, and the other one is probably going to be right in the wild card race with the Padres and the Mets. Casey Bryant, you know what? I'll buy because I think that Christian Yelich is too good of a player to be down for that long. I like the addition of Colton Wong in the middle infielder. I think Colton Wong is a very good two-way second baseman. He's had a great spring training for them. He's hitting over 300. He's got three dingers in 14 games while he's out there in, in Florida. I think that for this team, their pitching staff is ultimately what's going to make or break them. And I think they have the key pieces, especially in the bullpen, because not only do you have Josh Hader, you have Devin Williams, who if you follow Pitching Ninja, you know who Devin Williams is. He is a cheat code. He's got a Bugs Bunny-esque changeup that disappears off the table. And it is ludicrous. He had a .3 ERA last year. And Baseball reference has the audacity to project a over three ERA for him this year. I I, I get he got touched up a little bit in spring training, but he is a beast. And I think that the pitching staff, especially late in games, because we're seeing more emphasis on bullpens late in games in crunch time, I think that the Brewers have the advantage over other teams because you don't know if Gallegos and Hicks will stay healthy for the Cardinals all year. So I think that that may make the difference and the NL Central is tight enough to where I'm willing to buy on the Brewers. Mm, so, Casey, so, Casey, if, I, if you don't mind me asking, do you see them as a division winner, or do you think they come away with like a wild card? 
I think the only way that they can get it is through the division. I don't think the yeah. NL Central will have what it takes to get a wild card. I think the a the NL East probably is the only one. Or you have to figure that one of the Padres or Dodgers is taking the other wild card. Right. Uh, so by you have to be the, by that you mean the Padres. But. <laughs> well, one way or the other, there's not going to be a wild card spot available unless Rob Manford gets his wish and all 15 teams are allowed in the postseason. Yeah, all right. Yeah, this is – it's tough. I mean, the, the only way they really – I think Casey's right. The only way they can get into the division is through the division, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I have to sell on them. I, it's it's – there's a lot of – questions there like I, I think Casey's right Yelch is going to bounce back it's everything it's everything else and it's it's their it's their opponents it's their rivals I think this is I, this, for me this is the Cardinals division to lose right now they've mm. they, they, I think they have really come in swinging here I I really like the, what the Cardinals have done this offseason I think they're ready I think they're ready to return to what we saw you know in like you know two, early 2000s to to or late 2000s to like early 2010s, I think that's the kind of Cardinals team we're ready to see again, and I think they're going to prove that in this 162 game season. So for me, it's it'll be t- it's going to be close. It is so so close, but overall, I'm selling on the Brewers. I'm selling on the Brewers as well, and I think behind Brandon Woodruff, there's really nothing else in that starting lineup. And also, you cannot really rely on a bullpen that was really good just a couple of years ago, uh, as well as the addition of Colton Wong. As Casey did say, it really has been a fantastic addition and a an unfortunate subtraction for the St. Louis Cardinals. They did they did in fact though elevate Tommy Edmond to become their new starting second baseman who was at the time kind of floating around with Matt Carpenter at third and then he would kind of take uh he would he would be the utility infield guy uh who now has a home at second base uh there but keeping or staying in uh in in uh, in, in brew country uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is also there too. That off that that outfield is one of the best, the best trios in all of Major League Baseball. But I'm gonna sell them simply because behind Brandon Woodruff, they don't have anybody else, and you can't rely on a bullpen for 162 games. You simply can't do it. And we can start playing the Baltimore Orioles game again. But Brett Anderson, uh, you know. I don't know how much more he has in the tank. He's been all over the place. He he started his career in Oakland. Uh, he really did not have much, and we really don't know much about Adrian Hauser, Corbin Burns. Uh, we know about Freddie Peralta. Uh, he, he he did decent a couple of years ago with in a couple of spot starts. Um, but he's another flash in the pan. We don't really know what the deal is with these guys. I simply will be selling, uh, simply selling them. Excuse me, um, in the NL Central. Chicago White Sox, AL Central. This is the last team in our buy or sell game. Uh, this is a big, a big question mark for many, and the reason why is because Eloy Jimenez uh, is out, and he actually just a couple of days ago on Monday, um, he, I believe, from what we've read here, uh, he tore some. I believe he tore something in his leg. Uh, and from what we've seen as well with Jose Abreu, where he and Eloy Jimenez, uh, mm-hmm. they are, um, excuse me. Yeah. He actually ruptured his left pectoral tendon, Eloy Jimenez. So he will be out 
for five to six months at the very least. Mm. Jose Abreu and Eloy Jimenez, quote, cried together because it's a big part of the team that is now gone. Um, that's a big deal. And in that, I'll start this one off just to get this kicked off. Um, I'm going to sell them. I'm going to sell the Chicago White Sox here. And the reason why is, is because behind Lucas Giolito is Dallas Keuchel, the American League pitcher that he was in Houston in year one. Is Lance Lynn the pitcher that he once was? Are we looking at the St. Louis Cardinals, Lance Lynn? The Texas Rangers, Lance Lynn? The New York Yankees, Lance Lynn? Who are we looking at in that in that two and three? Carlos Rodon, can he help out? How about that bullpen? Not really great. Michael Kopech, Liam Hendricks. How much more can you get? Um, and then again, looking back at the... they also They also now have a big hole in left field with Eloy Jimenez gone for the next five to six months, Adam Eaton's probably going to have to shift over maybe to left field. Well, you might have to elevate Adam Angle. It's a hole in your lineup as well. I'm selling. Ian Schreier. I am a buy, 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 strong buy on the Chicago White Sox. They are my team to, if the Yankees don't get there, to make the World Series in the American League. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, they are. They are. If the Yankees do not get there, the White Sox are my team to get to the World Series and to represent the American League. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're still going to be able to depend on Giolito as your ace. I, um, Dallas Keuchel last year was 6-2 and two in the short season with an ERA under two. Um, Lance Lynn has been one of the more dependable and reliable pitchers. Um, you know, if, if you want to discount his short period with the Yankees when he had an ERA of close to eight, he's really been one of the more dependable pitchers in baseball. Um, yeah, I still have some question marks um, around their four and five starters, but I, I – I, I can't imagine there are many teams in this league that don't have question marks in regards to the very back end of their rotation. So you have a very, very strong top three uh, with one of the better defensive catchers in baseball catching these starting pitchers full time in Yasmani Grandal. Um, Yoan Mancada, if he's healthy, is a 280 hitter that can easily be a 2580 type guy, if not more, when healthy. Um, I really like the. Obviously, you gotta love the uh, the prospects about Jose Abreu coming off an MVP year. Um, you gotta like Luis Robert coming off a Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, honor. Um, I mean, I know his average wasn't anything too sparkling, but I, again, I mean, he's a young kid that showed a lot of promise. Um, Tim Anderson, a real nice player with a nice bat at short, and then they've got. You know, an up-and-coming player, Nick Madrigal, starting at second base. Um, I like this team a lot, and you've got one of the best closers in baseball now in, in Liam Hendricks. This team went out there, addressed those issues. Yes, they are right now are going to struggle a little bit in the outfield. I loved the Adam Eaton signing. Um, I really wanted him to be the fourth outfielder for the Mets because he's a guy who can lead off. He can steal bases. He gets on base. So right now, that's what that's what the White Sox need at the top of that lineup if Moncada's not going to be the leadoff hitter. Like, you get Adam Eaton up there, and he's drawing walks and stealing bases, and you're setting the table for guys like Abreu and Moncada and Robert, granted no Eloy Jimenez, but guys like Tim Anderson to drive them in, and then Grandall too. I, I, I just love the prospects about this team. This team, I have been winning the AL Central, probably even playing the Yankees in the ALCS if everybody's healthy on both it's sides. It, before we get to Casey Bryant here, just for those that do not remember – uh, Lucas Giolito was traded yep. from Washington for in a package 
for Adam Eaton, and now they are both on the same team. Obviously, Washington did get a World Series out of it with Adam Eaton anchoring that outfield uh, at the time, obviously with Juan Soto and Victor Robles, uh, you know, very young at the time. Um, but now they're both will be playing on the same team together for the first time in, uh, if, in I mean, careers. Joe, if I could just add to that point, another reason why I just feel like you have to buy the White Sox in the division is you can't buy Detroit right now. I think Kansas City is going to be this one of the really fun teams to watch in baseball this year. Mark those words. I think the Kansas City Royals are they're They're not going to be a playoff team, but they are going to be that thorn in a lot of team sides this year, especially in the AL Central, because you got to play them 19 times from each divisional opponent. Um, I'm not buying the Indians after they could just traded Lindor. I'm not buying the Twins right now, especially because they seem to be unloading pieces. So it, to me, it's the White Sox division to lose. Casey Bryant. Remember when Adam Eaton was broken up that Adam LaRoche and his son Drake left the White Sox? Yes. 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 Yeah, that's right. That doesn't tie into anything I was talking about. I just wanted to make sure that we all remember that <laughs> dream that I had. Uh, Adam Eaton is an interesting case because I don't know if his career as a leadoff hitter has come to an end because he was a really good leadoff guy for a while for Washington where it was either him or Trey Turner at the top of that lineup because he would have an on-base of 380 or 390 every year. He was a really good presence at the top of the order, but after a down year last year, I don't know if, if he'll still be there, especially since you have Tim Anderson at the top of the lineup. And Tim Anderson is the next big superstar in Major League Baseball. He is so entertaining to watch. And I think that having him, and even without Eloy, you have him, Abreu, and Moncada at the top of that lineup. And I do like Yasmani Gondal behind the plate for them too. I think that he's a good, he's a catcher with pop. And I'm a sucker for catchers with pop. Uh, so I think that the White Sox are well built. They will get to the playoffs on the back of Liam Hendricks because this is a Tony LaRusa team, so he's going to ride his closer all the way because that's a Tony LaRusa staple. He goes to one guy in the ninth inning. There's none of this bullpen by committee. This guy pitches this situation and rotation. No, it's Liam Hendricks at the end of the game. And if Liam Hendricks has a good year, the White Sox will have a good year because they'll hang on to more ninth inning leads. I'll buy on the White Sox. I think that this may be the year. The biggest hurdle they have to overcome is having an ancient old school manager with a new school team. That is a fair point as well. Rob DeLuca, final thoughts. Yeah, for me, this is an easy buy. I mean, this I don't see anyone remotely capable of catching the White, the White Sox right now in the AL Central. I, it doesn't seem possible. Indians traded away Lindor, Minnesota, Minnesota, they won it by one game. And that's only because the White Sox completely choked it away. They, they literally had to win it twice. They literally had to win one game in the final 10 and they somehow met, or like five or whatever it was. And they managed to not do it. So I think that that's not going to happen, especially now that there's a hundred extra games from last season. So I think, and the White Sox, while they are down a big hole, as Joey mentioned, it's not gonna it's not gonna matter. This is a team that is ready. They are primed, and they are going to be very, very dangerous. So the reason why so the reason why I did not bring up uh, them as a buyer is because Minnesota seems to have decent, decent, and I'm not saying good. I'm saying decent down the stretch games they have decent regular seasons as well 
And then once they make it to the playoffs or to the AL wildcard game, they completely poop themselves. They literally do not show up in the playoffs. We don't know what Chicago can do. Can they make it in a 162-game marathon? I believe they can. But I just personally believe that Minnesota, we do see them do well in the regular season all the time, and then they just falter. Yeah, but my issue with Minnesota, Joey, is the fact that you're still riding off the bat of guys like Nelly Cruz and Josh Donaldson and and players like that. And, and, and I mean, your starting shortstop is Andrelton Simmons. I mean, when has he panned out in his career? Remember when he w- went from the Braves to the Angels and he was going to be the spark behind that rebuild with him and Trout and they were going to be the team, you know, they were going to they were going to build around those two players and, wow. and, and, and build a champion. They never did, wow. um, you know. With, with their, I mean, look, they've got some nice pieces. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think Mitch Garver's a nice piece. He's got he's got a little pop. Um, you know, Miguel Sano can never seem to stay healthy. Um, Max Kepler's a really nice player in, in, the, in the leadoff spot for them. But the, this is a team that just lost Eddie Rosario, who's really been one of their solid bats for a while. Him and Cruz. I mean, you remember the, what was it? Nelly Cruz was the only guy who was hitting in that playoff series in, in the yeah. uh, in that first round series in, in, in uh, the postseason. But um, I think for Minnesota also is is what's going to come of their starting pitchers. What's going to become of Kenta Maeda? What's going to become of Jose Barrios? Um, you know, uh, what's going to become of Michael Pineda? What's going to become of J.A. Happ? You know, I, I, I you just to me, I, I just like the I just like the outlook of the White Sox better because I think their lineup is more is more potent one to nine. Whereas I think with the Twins, you're just hoping for for, for more things to pan out. Where I think the White Sox are a little more proven. Yeah, definitely possible, but we will see. We all stick to our to our opinions here, and it's obviously good to have some different uh, some different ideas here in this show. So, ladies and gentlemen, that has concluded our show. That originally was supposed to be about an hour, but as per usual, it has gone over about fifty seven minutes to start. The usual. That's normally what we do here on this set because, you know, that's just what we do. It's a lot of fun always. And we took about a good 10 minutes because Casey Bryant did make us cry. I'm sure we will have some good, good replays on that one down the road. It's mostly my fault. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Jared, Jared, so Jared, Salta Lamaki. All for good reason. I, for going. Good. I, I think I hear Miguel Tejada's music. I'm not <laughs> going. Ladies and gentlemen, let us pay our bills here. And uh, tomorrow, 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 all start. It, it starts the baseball season, 2021 Major League Baseball season kicks off where the Toronto Blue Jays visit Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, 105 Eastern time. It's going to be a fantastic opening game on ESPN. The Dodgers will be taking on the Colorado Rockies, 410 Eastern. Going to be another good one, even though Colorado has Trevor Story in the uh, in the graphic, and that's about it. Uh, also, the New York Mets will be heading to Washington. That's going to be the debut of Francisco Lindor. Jacob deGrom taking on Max Scherzer in a uh, in an ace battle. Uh, superstar battle, actually. Also, Chicago White Sox will be visiting the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim to conclude the ESPN nationally televised four-game set. That one will be uh, pitching or opening pitch will be at 10.05 Eastern time on the networks of ESPN. Also, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe to us by searching the Primetime Rundown on the following platforms, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, as well as YouTube by searching I-95 Sports Network. Also, ladies and gentlemen, in the opening in the opening segment of the show, you did hear the 
uh, newest hit single from Black Cats NYC called Dirty Little Hipster. That is available on Apple Music, Deezer, YouTube, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, Pandora, and Spotify. Also, please do not forget as well uh, that the Essential Wrestling Podcast presented to you by Pro Wrestling Pick'em will be coming back to you live Tuesday, April 6th, starting at 5 p.m. That graphic is actually wrong. 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be one hour early due to some WrestleMania statistics that we uh, will be coming out with. Uh, join Al Carl, Ryan Ryan Joy, John DeCani, John Smith, Tyler Adele, and Gary Mihefi as they bring you all the latest in the world of wrestling starting at 5 p.m., not 6 on the Eastern Observer. Also, start your morning with the Daily Wrestling News Show presented to you by Minutes to Bell Time and Pro Wrestling Pick'em with our Ryan Joy, who brings it to you live Monday through Thursday, starting at 10 a.m. right here on the Eastern Observer. So, ladies and gentlemen, for one final time, Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, Casey Bryant, and for all of us at the Blackjack Media Group, I'm Joey Jorzinka. We'll see you next time.